Right. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I'm going to take just a minute to give my commercial. If you are a teacher, we're looking to hire six of them for next year. If you're graduating in December, I'm looking to hire some in the January timeframe as well. So see me afterward. I got to say, Brother Bert, you guys sure have some plush activities now. Remember, back in my day, we didn't have uh, this activity where for three bucks you could go to Long Beach. and that We didn't have that. You know, we had to walk there. No, <laughs> okay, not quite, but yeah. I look so fondly with my memories here at West Coast. And I'll tell you, it is a great honor for me to be here. Um, I remember 15, 16 years ago sitting where you're sitting and thinking, wow, what a great thing it might be if one day the Lord let me come back. And he has. I'll tell you, that's a great privilege for me. For you, it might be just a normal Tuesday chapel. But this has been, this is exciting for me. It's a highlight for me. I mean, where else do I get to invest in the lives of 500 future leaders of the Christian, the church in America and around the world? I mean, this is exciting for me. I'd like to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. That's where we will be today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. May I say, with the friend day you guys have coming up, how about you determine to have someone here? I remember when we had friend day back in, back in my day. When we took a Wednesday, we went out and we went knocking doors and me and some friends, we, we were out multiple times that week. We spent eight hours out on a Saturday knocking. We took a whole section of the city, a whole, uh, um, what do you call it, from you know, eight or a half mile by half mile, that whole quarter mile or square mile area. And it took us eight hours and me and seven friends, we knocked every door in there inviting people to church. And we had visitors here on friend day. We had people saved because of it. And I still have one contact left over 15 years later from that event. So make your mark. I pray the Lord will use you this week to bring people to Christ, to get people plugged in here at Lancaster Baptist Church, that they'll get baptized, they'll join a Sunday school class, and you never know the impact you might have. Makes me feel old, but when I was here last year for interview days, I uh, interviewed a guy who was graduating, who was in kindergarten my freshman year when I helped in the kindergarten class. I'm like, oh man, that makes me feel old. But I'm not that old. I'm still a young guy, okay? All right, have you found your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? All right, let's all stand together. We're going to read a few verses here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, a passage you likely already know, but I want to take a fresh look at it again. Verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's pray as we begin today. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you might grant to me your words of wisdom. Fill me with your spirit and with your power. I pray each one of us today would have ears to hear from you. And Lord, I pray you would use this feeble vessel to present to the congregation today your word that might help us tear down strongholds of the flesh and to build up strongholds of faith. Lord, I pray that you would be blessed today. In your name I ask, amen. You may be seated. Now here's a great question for you. When you have a trouble in your life, a trial in your life, why would you not come to Jesus Christ? Why would we not come? 
We know that we've got something coming up, a school bill that we need to have paid and we don't have the funds. I remember that. I was there. Why would we not come to Christ? Maybe it's a health issue you're experiencing or one that your parents may be having and you're worried about it and yet we don't come to Christ. Why would we not do it? Maybe we come just on a surface level. Oh Lord, be with my dad. I know he's struggling right now and and that's about all we pray. Why would we not come to Christ? Why would I not come to Christ when I'm a pastor and I know that I've got members of my church who are struggling and they need me to be praying for them. Why would I not come to Christ? Just this morning, I got a, a phone call. A lady in our church passed away. Afterward, I'm going to be calling her son to line up the memorial service and those different things. Why would I not come to Christ? Why would I rely upon my flesh, Dr. Getch? So often we do. We lean upon our own experience. Oh, I'm a junior now. I've been all through this before. I know, I know what I'm supposed to do with my scheduling. And I, I know we go out every year. We go knocking on doors. And yeah, I know how to do that. And why would we not come to Christ and rely upon him when we know we need him? I'll tell you, I think the main reason is we have some stronghold of the flesh that keeps us away. Some sin in our life that we know God is not pleased with, but we just kind of want to hold on to it a bit. It could be that I'm just kind of coasting through this semester, and when Christmas break comes, then I know I can, I can indulge in the flesh a little bit. And the reason we don't want to come to Christ, as we know we should, is because we don't want the, the Holy Spirit to convict us of that area of our life we know is a stronghold that needs to be torn down. What is a stronghold? Well, stronghold of the flesh is any sin that we continue to stumble stumble in. And it may not even be something that we would normally consider this is a sin. It could be something we might consider as just a bad habit, like laziness. But we know I, I shouldn't be lazy, but it's kind of a stronghold in my life. You know, when I was younger, I uh, played a a computer game called Stronghold Crusaders. And one of the aspects of that game is you had to tear down the stronghold of your competitor. And there was one funny way that you could do it. I I love doing it this way because it was just one of those neat little things. You could hire miners to dig a tunnel under the castle, send in pigs to light on fire to collapse the wall. I thought that's such a funny way to destroy the walls of a stronghold. Well, I actually discovered recently that was uh, based on history. In 1215 AD, King John in England uh, was dealing with a group of rebels. And they had taken hold of the castle at Rochester. And he decided, you know, I'm going to hire, I'm going to take my my men and I'm going to make them dig a tunnel to the foundation of the castle wall. And they're going to support the castle wall with big beams as they expand that hole underneath. And then when we're ready... He commanded 40 bacon pigs to be sent in there. What a waste of bacon. (laughs) Slaughter the pigs and take their fat and put it all over the beams and light it on fire. Wouldn't you know, as those beams began to burn away and they fell, the walls of the Rochester Castle collapsed. You know, if you're going to take out a stronghold, you got to attack its foundation. I think a lot of Christians and maybe even students in here today, you can't overcome the stronghold of sin because all you're doing is putting a band-aid on it. 
trying to cover it up. You, you want to be better, but you don't really want to root out the foundation that has caused this stronghold to be there in your life. What is a stronghold? Well, that word stronghold, it has the idea that it's a fortress. You're fortified. You have fortified some sin in your life and you can't overcome it. In our text here, I see there are four ways that we can effectively attack the foundation of sinful strongholds. Those strongholds of the flesh, we know they're not good for our life, but, you know, it's just so hard to get rid of them. There are four things in our text that will allow us to attack that stronghold. First, I want you to see in verse 5, we have to cast down wrong imaginations. That word imagination, it comes from the Greek word logimos, which you might recognize is very similar to the word logic. It's where it comes from. They're the rationale. It's our, our, um, our conniving, our scheming. We put together a plan to do evil. That's got to be cast down. This type of evil is the type of evil that was in the days of Noah when God said in chapter 6 that every imagination and the thoughts of the heart were only evil continually. They were imagining how they could do more evil. So, oh, Pastor Scott, we wouldn't do that. Well, sadly to say, I know there have been many times when we have. A few weeks ago, I was meeting with a recovering drug addict. He's dealing with meth trying to get over meth. And he has seen the result of meth, how it's destroyed his life. He grew up in a good Christian church, a First Baptist church in, um, I think it was Escondido, California. That's where he grew up. His brother went off to Howes Anderson College and is today a youth pastor. But he got into drugs, got into meth. Now, 25 years later, he's at my church and he's in my office and he says, Pastor Scott, I need to get rid of this. It's destroying my life. It has destroyed my marriage. My kids think I'm dead. They don't even know I'm alive. Pastor Scott, this has destroyed me. What do I do? We know those type of strongholds are, are hard to get rid of. And yet we think to ourselves, my stronghold's not that bad. My stronghold's a little one. I brought him to this text. Because this is a text that will help tear down strongholds from the big sins or the little ones in our life. And let me tell you, I know there are some, some in our, our life that we think about. Now, last week, Tuesday, um, I sent him a text. This man said, hey, I'm praying for you today. Just a simple text about two in the afternoon. I'm praying for you that God will give you strength today. When we met a few days later, because we're meeting every week, I said, Pastor Scott, you don't know what that text meant to me. I was sitting in my room contemplating how I could go get my drug and not get caught by the rehab center. He was in his mind imagining a way. That's the imaginations that have to be cast down. He's imagining in my mind, how can I sneak past the rehab people and how can I get to that spot? I'm pretty sure there'll be someone there who's got the drug I want. And where will I be when I take it so that when I get back to the center, they won't know I've been doing it? How can I get around? He even talked about at one point, I was contemplating where I can buy monkey whiz, which is clean pee for a urine test. He was rationalizing, how can I get my evil? 
It's a stronghold. But some of us have similar strongholds. Let me give you an example. When I was here 13 years ago, one Thanksgiving break, a couple that were dating didn't come back. Well, why not? Because they had been scheming what they were going to do over Thanksgiving break. And they both went to one of their homes at Thanksgiving break and they had permission to go. They had worked it out where, you know, the parents of one knew that they were going to be over here, but the parents of the other knew they were going to be over there. And they had gone off to some hotel room somewhere and they never came back. They had been scheming. Wrong imaginations. We must cast down those imaginations. Another one, I remember 13 years ago, we had a problem with uh, watching pirated movies in the dorms. And you say, pirated movies? Yeah, that was a thing back in the day. I know I'm old. But a lot of the guys in the dorms had some portable hard drives they would load these movies on. And I'm not necessarily talking about what we would consider filthy movies. They just knew they, weren't sh they shouldn't be watching it. For a few weeks, I was in that group. Then one day, I was sitting on my bed at a free period. I had a headphone in, my laptop. You know, I looked like I was doing work. I had, you know, a paper on one side, watching a movie on the other. Dr. Weaver walked in my room. Now, he couldn't see my laptop. It was facing me. I very quickly pulled my earbud out. Oh, Dr. Weaver, how you doing? We have a conversation. Yeah, things are going great. Working on a project. And he left. And God smote me right then and said, why did you hide it? Oh, I know why I hid it. Because I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. If I had to hide it from Dr. Weaver, why would I do it? But you see, I'd been imagining how I could get away with it. Portable hard drive. And others had been doing that as well. I'm thankful that the Lord smote my heart that day. And instead of getting kicked out of school, I repented and got it right. Look, you may have a stronghold in your life. You've got to cast down those imaginations. Quit thinking about ways you can get away with the sin. Quit thinking about how can I on a Saturday when everyone's going soul winning, figure out a way to kind of go off and do my own thing. You know, I don't want to do that whole soul winning thing. Quit thinking about ways to do evil. You know, there are some strongholds in our life that we tend to think of are, are not really that bad. Oh, but they are. Maybe it's fear. Maybe Satan has built up a stronghold of fear in your life. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it through school. I'm going to be a dropout. All my friends from high school, they're going to mock me because I was that kid who didn't finish. And you've got this stronghold of fear in your, your mind. Cast down those imaginations. Maybe it's the other way. You've got a stronghold of covetousness. And you're thinking in your head, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go start a church, but I got this little thing on the side. And I'm going to, you know, work my side hustle. And I'm going to be wealthy on the side. I'll, I'll be a pastor. I'll serve God. But you've been rationalizing your covetousness. We need to cast those down. Some who may think, yeah, I'm going to become this Christian influencer on a, a YouTube or TikTok or whatever social media thing comes out next. I'm going to build up a big following. Yeah, I'm going to serve God, but I'm also going to. And you've been wrapping your mind around a stronghold of pride. Cast down the strongholds. So often we play with them in our mind. It could be a stronghold of anger. And you're there thinking about what you should have said. Oh, I could have got the last word. And you're replaying in your mind those evil imaginations. Cast them down. Number two, from our text I see in verse five, 
We've got to cast down those imaginations, smother them. But second, we need to eliminate the proud justification. See, so often we justify our sin. Verse five again, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. We justify our sin in our mind. We might say it like this. I'm an angry person. That's just how I am. You know, I, I, I know I shouldn't be, but I'm just built that way. Or my mom was always an anxious person. I inherited it from her. As if that means it's okay to be anxious. You know, society is so wicked. Of course, I'm going to deal with lust. Because, I mean, it's everywhere. And we use it as an excuse, a justification for why we can keep our stronghold. Oh, we got to cast them down. Whether it's a drug addiction, a lustful relationship, a covetous desire, a statement of pride, or any of these different things, we often come back to this. I deserve it. I deserve to have that new car. I deserve to have that relationship. I deserve to be happy in some way. And we have begun to rationalize in our mind. We have this proud justification for why my sin isn't that bad. Dr. Getsch, when I was here, I needed a car at one point. I had blown the engine on my car. You know, uh, when you don't know much about cars, sometimes you light your car on fire. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I needed a car. And the Lord provided financially for this car. Gave me $2,000. A man in my church in Portland and a man from the church, the ministry I was serving at, gave me $500 $2,000 to buy a car. Today, that won't get you anything, I know. <laughs> but when I was in school, there were cars for $2,000, little jumpers, you know, or little... They would get me there. So I was looking online, and I'm trying to find a car, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, this car here, it's kind of in my price range, but it's not what I want. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a junior in college. I deserve something a little better. I deserve something that, that's kind of fast. And I found a 2003 Pontiac Sunfire Red, and um, again, remember the year that 2003 today, that's pretty old, but when I was in college, it wasn't that old. And I'm like, oh, man, I could get this car, but I need to borrow a little bit more money. So, you know, I, I borrowed some money. I got the car. And I'll tell you, it was a fast little car. I liked that car. I felt cool in that car. My red little two-door Pontiac Sunfire. Um, it could go 100 miles an hour. I know it because I took it 100 miles an hour just right down the road there, just to, just to see. It was fast. I liked it. I wrecked that car. <laughs> Shouldn't be surprised, right? Six weeks after I got it, too, I wrecked that car. Fell asleep at the wheel while driving. I was coming back from Camp Pendleton, a friend of mine graduating from military, um, the military academy there. I was coming through San Bernardino. Got stuck in traffic on a Saturday afternoon about 4 o'clock. Stop and go, stop and go, and I didn't stop. Wrecked the car. You know, the Lord is good. I was safe. The other guy, they were fine. The Lord is good. But you know what it was? In my heart, I had this covetousness. I deserve a better car than that. I had some insurance money from it, thank the Lord. Uh, it paid off the debt I had, and once you know it, I had exactly $2,000 left at the end. That's just how God works. Had that $2,000, and I'm looking again, okay, maybe God doesn't want me to fulfill my covetous stronghold. Maybe he wants me to get a little car that's going to make it. And I found a 1997 Pontiac Sunfire that was not nearly as sporty. It was a little bit baser model. It had, a, you know, holes in the seats. It had some rust on the body. But it was two grand. 
I bought that car. Wouldn't you know it? I drove that car all the way until I was a pastor. It got me over 200,000 miles on that car. God allowed me to use that car for his glory in many ways. I had to learn that hard lesson, that stronghold of covetousness, thinking I deserve it. I deserve a nicer car than what I have. I deserve these extra little things in my life. And you know, we still deal with that today too. I'm a pastor. I deserve a bigger house. I'm a pastor now. I deserve to have certain things in my life. I deserve the new suit because, you know, I'm standing up preaching in front of people now. I deserve it. And we have a stronghold of covetousness. You may have that stronghold of lust or that stronghold of anxiousness, depression. Oh, eliminate your justification. Trying to say, I deserve my sin. Christ died for that sin. He died so that not that you would stay in it, but that you would be freed from it. If we're going to cast down the strongholds, we got to smother the imaginations, eliminate the proud justifications. But number three, you have to replace the evil thinking with good. Because the problem is, if all you try to do is say, stop thinking about something bad, you're still going to think about something bad. You have to replace it with something good. We see in verse number five, the last phrase, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You're taking into captivity the evil and you're telling it what you want it to be. You're going to make it good. I'm in charge here of thinking good. I will not be a slave to my mind. I will control my mind and tell it what to think. Replace the evil with the good. When I was a freshman in college here 16 years ago, I worked at the Rite Aid Warehouse on 30th West and Avenue H. And I worked for um, a company, a subcontractor, and I worked overnight that first year, and I hated it. Any of you guys work overnight? None? What is this? It seemed like when I was in school, everybody had to work overnight. I'll tell you, it was awful. If you can work in the swing shift, praise the Lord. That first year, I worked 9 p.m. until 7 a.m. I rushed home, showered, and went to my 7.30 class. It was rough. But it was right during the Great Recession, and there was a lot of, um, a, a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of people weren't buying stuff, and our workload dropped drastically in December. I mean, as soon as Christmas was over, it was dead. And the only job left for me to do if I wanted any hours and I needed to pay my bill was I had to sit there all night long or stand there pushing a button to raise a, a big dumpster to dump cardboard into a compactor and bring it back down. That was my job. For week after week after week, it paid the bill. I stood there all night long on my feet holding a button for 40 seconds as this big old dumpster dumped in cardboard, came back down. Then I filled the dumpster with another set of cardboard in 40 more seconds. You know what your mind does at two and three and four o'clock in the morning when you're trying to stay awake and all you're doing is standing there pushing a button for 40 seconds? Your mind wanders. And very often I found myself wandering where it shouldn't have been. But then someone gave me an idea. I think it was my roommate, Brian Jesser. He said, Scott, you know what you ought to do? Take your Bible verses. What a novel idea. Why don't you control what you're thinking about? Amen. So I wrote out my verses for my classes, and I took them with me there, and I put them on that console, and for 40 seconds when I pushed that button, I read my Bible verse. 
And then when it came back down, I filled it in. And for the next 40 seconds, I read it again until I had it memorized. And I took it off and put on the next one. By the way, it helped me memorize my verses. It helped me stay awake, but it helped me control the mind. If you're going to tear down that stronghold, you have to replace what is evil in your mind with, with that which is good. For sake of time, we won't go through all of it, but I'll tell you there are many verses, and you know them. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Ephesians 5, 26. That he might sanctify it by the washing of the word. Consider Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. There you are at three o'clock in the morning pushing your button for 40 seconds and you're thinking on something that's evil. Oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to replace it with that which is good. Maybe you start getting a vision for what God can do in your life. Lord, do you want me to be a pastor? Lord, can you use me in that, that Sunday school class of kindergartners? Lord, can you use me when I'm out soul winning this week to lead someone to Christ? Replace the evil with the good. Tear down the foundation of that stronghold. Oh, if you're going to take out the strongholds of the flesh, you need to smother the evil imaginations. You need to eliminate the proud justifications. You need to replace the evil thinking with that which is good. And finally, number six, we, or number four, verse six. We don't do this enough. We need to hate sin. Look at verse six. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you hate your sin. I feel shame when I sin, but I don't often, I don't always hate the sin. We feel shame, but we don't necessarily hate it. Proverbs chapter four says, enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. You gotta hate it. Say, it's not going to come in my life. I mentioned the drug addict I'm helping right now. What is meth? Meth is chemicals. It's poison. They take a, a bunch of chemicals that I lock up in my house. I've got a two-year-old. The only cabinet in the whole house that we have locked is the one with the chemicals. <laughs> because if he gets in there, it could kill him. It's poison. They take it and they mix it up together and then they decide they're going to ingest it. That's what sin is. It's a poison. It's destroying your future ministry for Christ. It's destroying the relationships that you could have one with another. It's poisoning the mind. It's poisoning the heart. And yet we think just a little bit's okay. And just like that drug, we, we decide to take the poison because we, we feel like it's going to be okay. Oh, you got to hate the sin. Hate the evil in your life, know that the covetousness will hinder God's ability to use you and hate it. Know that lust will destroy you. Hate it. Bitterness, it's a poison. If it's a stronghold in your life, you've got to hate it. Get rid of it. That anxiety, it'll debilitate you so you cannot serve God. It's toxic in your life. Do you hate the sin? Do you hate sin enough to get rid of that which is causing your sin? Let me tell you, I think one of the big ones is this smartphone. It may be laziness, finding yourself doom scrolling. 
You know, you know you should be studying, right? You know you've got midterms coming, but what do you find yourself doing? I'm, I'm doom scrolling. I'm searching. I'm just video after video. And wouldn't you know it, an hour has gone by. Where'd that hour go? And you justify it. Oh, I was studying so hard, I needed a break. Or maybe you justify it this way. I, I know some of them I shouldn't watch, but you know, I'll just skip past those quickly. And we end up taking our cell phone and it becomes a stronghold in our life. Last week, as I was preparing this message, the Lord convicted me about that. Your cell phone is causing you to waste a lot of time. So I said, okay, I'm going to leave it in the car one day. I left it in my car when I went into work. And you know, for six hours, I didn't have my phone on me, and I lived. People still got a hold of me. It was fine, because, you know, they could call the church office, and I was in there. For six hours, I didn't, I didn't pull it up. And wouldn't you know, to, know, when I went back out to my car, and I pulled out my phone, I had like four missed messages, and I responded to them. It wasn't a big deal. I'm like, hey, that wasn't that hard. So I left it in my car again for after lunch. For the next four hours, I didn't have my phone on me. And it was amazing. Our phone can be a stronghold. It could be that laziness is your stronghold. And you, you keep, it keeps you from study. It could be anxiety is a stronghold. It's keeping you from walking by faith. And it could be that your stronghold is rebellion. And even after this message, you're going to go with your other friends who you know have that same stronghold of rebellion, and you're going to rip apart the preacher. I know I'm not as dynamic as some. I know that. I just want God to use me. But maybe if your stronghold is rebellion, that's what you're going to do. You want to talk bad about the teachers. You want to meet together with some of your friends who, you know, they may be similarly leaning as you. And you're going to talk about how the teachers, they, yeah, they know some things, but they don't get this. You know, they're not young and hip like I am. We understand things in a new way. Don't let that rebellion be a stronghold in your life. Are you hating sin? Psalm 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the works of them that turn aside. We read in Psalm 119.104, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Again, in Psalm 119 and 113, I hate vain thoughts. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. The evil way in the forward mouth, forward mouth I do hate. Oh, if you're going to overcome the strongholds, smother those evil imaginations, eliminate the proud justifications, replace the evil thinking with the good, and learn to hate sin. Strongholds don't go down easy. That's why they're called strongholds. Today, you will not tear down your stronghold. You're not going to come down here to the altar in just a minute, give it to God, and your stronghold's gone. It's not going to happen. So the final piece of instruction for you is find an accountability partner. Let me take you one more place in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You need accountability or else you're not going to tear down your stronghold. If you've got anxiety in your life, it's a stronghold holding you back. You need to find a teacher, maybe a dorm soup, Maybe a good spiritual Christian friend and in confidence say to them, I'm struggling here. Will you pray with me? And by the way, if someone asks you, keep them accountable. Right now I am texting that man I mentioned every day to help him overcome his drug addiction. Every day. Because if I don't, 
What's going to happen? One day he's going to be weak again. And no one's there to help him. And he's going to go back into his stronghold. Now, sure, he has accountability for God for what he does, but he has come to me, and I take it a great responsibility to know that I am his accountability partner. Find someone who you know is spiritual that can help you tear down those strongholds. When I was in college, my freshman year, I went back home, and I had to do some cleanup in my life. I took my laptop. I said to my mom and dad, this is causing me to fall. Gave them my laptop. I need help. So what they do, they put on an accountability system on the laptop. By the way, 16 years later, I have an accountability system on my phone. My wife gets everything I do sent as an email to her. She knows how long I was on the phone. She knows who I was talking to on the phone. In fact, periodically she'll say to me, Scott, Somehow we need to adjust this because I'm getting a call from that or I'm getting the message that you are on the phone with Georgia Jones. This is one of the senior ladies of our church. And it, it flags her as a questionable character. <laughs> 70 year old lady in our church. She's a questionable character. <laughs> I still have that accountability on my phone. I need it. If I'm going to tear down strongholds, I need that accountability. And so do you. As we have our time of invitation, I know the musicians will come in just a moment, I think. I want you to examine your heart and ask yourself, am I struggling with a stronghold that just won't go down? Well, do you hate it? Are you replacing the evil thinking with that which is good? Are you really ready to get rid of the stronghold out of your life? If so, you need an accountability partner too. We're going to have our invitation time in just a minute. And I want you, if you are struggling with something, and I'll tell you, when you struggle with sin, you will at times doubt your salvation. It's natural. When you have no victory over sin, you wonder, am I really a child of God? If you're struggling with that doubt, that can be a stronghold too.